Today is Monday, February 15th, 2021. Time for episode 138 of the Barnhart Podcast. Happy Feast of St. George Washington. And it's, you know, as you might expect, it's kind of, that's kind of a cold reference. And it is really cold outside. And, and you mentioned right before we started recording, I was trying to figure out who the actual feast was today. And you mentioned it is the anniversary of the self-immolation of uh, some Augustinian priest in Germany. Yeah, the one who was sleeping with the nun and then totally was so filled with self-loathing that he had to um, destroy, try to destroy the Catholic Church because, you know, he hated himself so much because he couldn't control his six commandment urges and hung himself on his bedpost. And we don't even know if that was just a pure suicide from self-loathing or whether it one or if it was one of those truly terrible like weird sixth commandment bizarre accidental hangings that are are sadly terribly common amongst people of um, that luciferian ilk very sad there have been many of them within the past 10, 20 years of Hollywood people. Um, people who would have known um, Epstein very well, although Epstein didn't hang himself. No, Epstein didn't hang himself. That's not what happened to Epstein. If he's even dead, I I concede the possibility that Epstein is still alive, and that was all a Mossad operation to just get him out of prison. Um, but if if he's dead and yes all the reports are correct that his um the the bones in his in his like larynx and and vocal area were broken which is totally consistent with being strang- strangulated um yeah but that's not we're ta- what we're talking about with Martin Luther Martin Luther hung himself and yeah all those people think of all of those people Hundreds of millions, probably, I don't know, is is it into the billions over the last 500 years? Maybe, probably, led astray by an Augustinian monk priest who was screwing a nun and then ended up up hanging himself, ended up committing suicide. And how many hundreds of millions, if not billions of souls, have trailed off after that that luciferian idiot and you just you just look at it and you shake your head and there are still people to this day who send me emails saying you quote luther out of context i'm like dude <laughs> well we'll put my my uh, post about all of um luther's just unbelievably blasphemous, sacrilegious, mind-blowing quotes. Um, And we'll put that in the show notes. And I don't know, y'all, you tell me. You tell me if we're quoting him out of context when he says that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the second person of the triune Godhead, was clearly, obviously having sex with a woman at the well, was clearly, obviously an adulterer himself. I mean, I mean, and and um, oh, by the way, if your wife if your wife isn't in the mood, call the maid. Call the maid. That's what Luther says. That's what a piece of absolute garbage this human being was, who died at his own hand committing suicide. And you, and you're gonna go to a church that's named after him, and you you think that you're solid in that. 
you're you're willing to bet your eternal life where you go heaven hell all eternity i'm gonna bet all of that on that i mean that's i mean trailing off after luther is even dumber than trailing off after what's his name the legionaries of christ um marcel maciel del galado or whatever his name was that that dude was a better fake than luther and i mean and and all the hundreds of millions if not billions of souls that have trailed off after me it's no coincidence guys it's no coincidence that the blessed virgin appeared to juan diego in mexico at exactly the same time that luther was schisming the church and leading hundreds of millions if not billions of souls away our lady said all right i'll do you one better i'll go convert all of these people from mexico all the way south I'll convert all of them. And now, you know, anti-Pope Bergoglio obviously is driving them all away. And it isn't just anti-Pope Bergoglio. It's the, it's the anti-church since Vatican II has been driving them all out and driving them to, you know, Protestant Pentecostalism and all this. But the fact remains that at exactly the same time as Luther was doing his garbage in Europe, our lady was on the ground on the ground in mexico appearing to juan diego and converting all of those uh, like terrifyingly scary pagan um aztecs incas i was gonna say abject satanists if not abject all, satanists yep at the yep. very top for sure and that that's an interesting statement as, as far as you know the the power of our lady to deliver you from the hands of satan from those who were not satanists but under their control which was yep all of Mexico and Central America, you know, until the Spanish freed everything. Yep. Um, that that's the that's the power and intercession of Our Lady. That that's right. That's right. And it's it's a good lesson. And it's there's I don't know. There's debate on the internet whether or not um, Luther died on the fifteenth of February or the eighteenth of February. There's two versions of it. Whatever. It's either today or or a few days from today that that evil satanic um, proto antichrist hung himself from his canopy bedpost. I mean, think, think twice about joining that cult friends and neighbors. Hey. Yes. If you follow him, you're going to end up in a very, very cold place for all eternity. And, uh, if you're in the middle of the United States, you're in a very cold place right now. <laughs> I'm looking mm, at the, the indeed, yeah. I'm looking at the temperature map right now, and um, I'm sure the, the 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 river where your van is parked is a little bit frozen over. Um, I'm just looking at the, at the map, like I said. I mean, the usual suspects have have negative degrees uh, going on, like uh, Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, not that unusual to have minus numbers, Colorado, mm -hmm. but where it gets a little more unusual is you've got minus uh, temperatures in Oklahoma City right now is minus four as we're recording this at uh, nine o'clock uh, central time and negative uh, six in Amarillo. I mean, Texas should not be in negative wow. ne negatives. As of right now, it looks like everything except maybe um, El Paso is in freezing, the freezing zone in Texas. There's it, you, a lot you, of cattle in Texas who have the thin skin who are not of the breed to handle that and there's going to be there's going to be losses tonight in cattle country unfortunately so, so now is the time to get a side of beef if you can 
Well, you know, I mean, it always snaps back, but get a side of beef right now. Um, actually, I was talking with um, family members about this not too long ago, and that we were talking about um, the ability to get, yeah, you, 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 just, you, you have a bovine, right? And you want beef. Don't mess around with, well, we can't, we have to cut out the ribeye and we have to save the ribeye for this, that, and that. No, gr grind everything. Grind everything. Grind the ribeye. Grind everything. Because you know what? Ground beef never disappoints. You make hamburgers, you make spaghetti sauce, you make all kinds of things out of ground beef, and you're never disappointed, right? You can take a a mangy old cow and grinder and you're going to have perfectly serviceable um, uh, hamburgers or hamburger helper or whatever. Don't get into this mindset where, you know, oh, I have to maintain the chuck and I have to maintain this and I have to do steaks with this. And no, no, you don't. Gr grind the sirloin, grind the tenderloin, grind everything and put it in your freezer and have and have hamburgers and have hamburger helper and spaghetti sauce and everything else that you can do with ground beef and you're never going to be disappointed it's going to taste perfectly good and it's exactly the same protein as if it were in steak form because at this point who cares who cares whether or not it's a steak or not just nobody cares just just get the beef and get the protein and grind it and eat it and grind it, freeze it, and eat it. That's that's what we're saying. So, yeah. And right now it's pretty easy to freeze it. Just stick it outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but the cold weathers aren't all uh, completely bad. I saw a headline that uh, because of the cold snap, deliveries of uh, COVID-19 vaccines have had, have had to stop in Texas. <sighs> Vaccine, quaxine, um, it's it's all evil. I mean, that's I, I think that's topic number two, though, right? We're we're totally going to get to that. About. Right. I mean, that that I think the main topic you wanted to talk about or lead off with was ivermectin and um, all the goodness that comes with that. And um, somebody did a taste test as well, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, I I need to give a pep talk to everybody about the ivermectin, and let me preface this by saying that I love you all. I love everybody in the filial Christian charity sense. I don't want to marry any of you. Okay. Let me say that again. I don't want to marry any of you because that, that comes up every now and again in my, in my inbox. And let me assure you, I don't want to marry any of you. However, let me say, because I love all of you and these questions are coming in, let me give this pep talk. Guys, guys and, and gals, we need to do a better job about being intellectually self-sufficient when given instructions, okay? I have put out more times than I can count. You need to buy the injectable. Injectable. That means injectable, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't mean pour on. It doesn't mean mouth drench. It means injectable. You need to buy the injectable. We'll get to the horse paste in a second. We're leaving that aside. When I say injectable, what I mean by the word injectable is injectable. Okay? I don't mean anything else by that. Words have meaning. I'm talking about the injectable. 
the dose that I have been told by veterinarian friends who have been doing this for years is one and a quarter cc's for an average adult man. What's an average adult man? A buck 85, 185 pounds. Okay. Kids, if you weigh 200 pounds, and I'm, I'm singling this out because this is an email that I've, that I received within the past 24 hours, and I totally recognize this person's name in my email box. God bless you. I love you. I think this person is probably a donor because I, I mean, I, I totally recognize the name. This person sends me an email, says, I weigh 200 pounds. What's the dosage for me? And I'm just like, okay, all right. We have to do better, guys. We have to do better. We have to be able to think our way through this. And here's what I told him. And he sent me back an email and he said, ha ha, you're totally right. Okay. All right. You got me. And so he had a really good sense of humor about this, but it's a really good lesson. And I've been getting this all along ever since I've started talking about ivermectin. I get exactly the same, the same question, but with different body weights, basically. Okay. So if the average, if, if, if what we're saying is, if what the vets are saying is that, you know, the prophylactic dose is one and a quarter cc's for an average adult human that weighs, an uh, average adult man who weighs, you know, a, a buck 85. All right. Let's think about it this way. When you go to the store and you buy aspirin, you buy Aleve, you buy Tylenol, whatever your whatever your um, anti-inflammatory painkiller of choice is, and you look on the bottle, and the bottle says the dose is two pills for an adult, do you get out a micro scale and a, and a razor blade and start like sawing pills in, in, in ninths and, and weighing the dust and all of that? Of course not. No. It says the, the, the dose is two pills for an adult. So you're an adult, so you take two. And if it's a kid, if it's a 12-year-old who, you know, has a headache or is sore from, from something in sports or something, you give them one. Okay? We use common sense here. It's exactly the same thing with this. Ivermectin is one of the most frequently dosed, heavily used drugs on the surface of this or any other planet, three and a half billion doses to, you know, Africans and, and, and Indians and people in Southeast Asia and all of this stuff. This is the safest drug in the world. It's even safer than aspirin because if you take a huge, big overdose of aspirin, you're, you're going to like burn the lining of your stomach. Ivermectin doesn't even have that. I mean, I, I suppose that if you were just monumentally stupid and drank an entire bottle of like livestock Ivermectin that you would get sick, but you know what? You'd probably just barf. It wouldn't even, it probably wouldn't even like burn your stomach because you just barf it up before it could even hurt you. This is one of the safest drugs on the planet, okay? So I've given you a ballpark dose.
that it's it's one and a quarter cc's. What what's a cc? The syringe I bought has milliliters on it. Okay, guys. Again, let's talk about intellectual self sufficiency. You all have computers. I know this because you're sending me emails. If you have a question about what the equivalence is between a milliliter and a cc, a cubic centimeter. If you, if you literally don't know that, all you have to do is type into any search engine, how, how many cc's is one milliliter or how many milliliters is one cc, question mark, enter. And the, the answer will appear before you instantaneously on your laptop, on, your, on the baby television, the phone that you carry, in your pocket. If you don't know the answer to this question, let me fill you in. This is this is one of the charms of the metric system. One milliliter is one cubic centimeter. <gasps> it's exactly the same. Yes, if, if I'm not mistaken, the way that a kilogram is defined is that a kilogram is 1,000 cubic centimeters of water. That's that's what a kilogram is. That's pure, how the metric, is that say, right? Pure water at 38, uh, well, at, at uh, four degrees centigrade, which is the at densest state. At four degrees centigrade, yes, yes. So, you know, nice cold water from the fridge. That's what a kilogram is. So one milliliter, one one thousandth of a liter, is exactly the same thing as one cubic centimeter, which is a thousand, uh, uh, 1,000 cubic centimeters is one kilogram of water. I mean. I mean, you you and Mark um, were talking about the, the beauty of mathematics, or maybe it was Dr. Monza, the beauty of mathematics on the last podcast. And one of the things I love about the metric system, uh, yeah, I know it, it it came as a result of the French Revolution, it's, but yeah, they it's did, Napoleonic they and but, all that. Yeah, but it yeah. actually existed long before that. It was, I think, it was invented actually in England. It was around, and they wanted to do go base ten. I, I wish it was base eight, but whatever. One of the it's beauties, base ten, yeah, it is yeah. base base ten. I, I was just making a personal point. I wish it was base eight, but the, the, the one of the beauties of the metric system is is the units are convertible you know between, like yeah. you said uh, the, the units of mass and the units of of, um, of weight volume. when it comes to water yeah. come yep. did i say that wrong volume volume and mass um, volume and mass yeah, yeah i mean mm-hmm. they're, they're easily interchangeable and, and depending upon what you're you know talking about they're easy to to understand yeah and it's you know going from uh you know from meters to kilometers to I don't know what the next level is up from that. It's it's an easy progression of just moving the decimal place around as opposed to saying how many inches in a foot, okay, how many inches in a mile, um, yeah. and all of that. I mean, you have to keep doing all these different references. And, and the, it was metric, kind the metric of system fun. is beautiful. In, in crop science, it was kind of fun. I remember that Dr. Stan Ehler was really big on units and teaching us how to do unit conversions. It's actually kind of fun once you memorize uh, in all of the um, – um, What's it called? What's our system called? Um, not English. Imperial. Imperial. In our imperial system, if you remember that 5,280 feet in a mile and how many 17, what is it? 1730 yards in a mile? Uh, 1760. Whatever. 1760. 1760. And then how many gr- how many grams in a pound? Four? Uh, 
four twenty four four fifty four five forty five or something like that. Yeah, it's four something. It's four oh, something. Four fifty four. Four fifty four. Four fifty four. Four fifty four. And you remember all this? It's kind of fun then to do all these ratios and do all the conversions and da 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 da. But I mean, you have to memorize a few things, which I've I've since forgotten. Twenty since, oh my gosh, it's it's almost. 30 years ago. Good grief. We're getting old. Anyway, 25 plus years ago when I was in crop science and Dr. Stan Ehler's class at K-State, you know, doing all these, uh, doing all these conversions. But again, ladies and germs, friends, you carry around a baby television in your pocket at all times that gives you unfettered access to the sum of human knowledge. If you have a question about conversion units, anything like that, you don't really have to worry about that being corrupted by social justice warriors or anything like that. If you have like a mathematical question, the internet is still really good for that. Just type into any search engine, including Google, if you want to use Google, how many milliliters in a cubic centimeter? And it, it will spit the answer into your lap as long as you have any sort of a signal connection to the internet, if you have a question about this, okay? It, it does so, even the, the, the measures that you're not familiar with. So if you yeah. were to say, how many stones uh, is, is this many grams? And, right, exactly. And, and those of you not in England are, are saying, what's a stone? Um, Fourteen I'll, pounds. Mm. Oh, I was gonna say I'll leave, I'll leave that for everyone else to Google, but Anne just spoiled the fun. But, I spoiled it. <laughs> but but to the to the emailer's point, who was asking about this, I mean, I can think of one other person who was confused about the dose. If you weren't exactly 185 pounds, because um, you're talking to him right now, and you said it's just linear. It's like, oh, well, in that case, I can figure it out. But it's totally I, linear. I, yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't think of it as being a linear thing. That's why I was kind of curious about it. Absolutely. So okay. Simple, simple way to think through this is double something. Okay, what's double 185? It's um, 300 minus 30, so 270. Do you weigh 270 pounds? If you weigh 270 pounds, it would be double one and a quarter, which would be two and a half. Uh, doubling so you, 180 is 360. No, doubling one and a quarter cc's. Oh, yeah. So it, it no, would yeah, be. Yeah, but one and a quarter cc's is for 185 pounds. But that's twice, right. Twice 180 is 360. That's right. 360. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, I, I should have. I should have Googled it. I should have done, used a calculator. I should have used my baby television. Okay. D what do you weigh? You know, it has to be less than that. So what I'm telling people, and the phrase that I've used both in writing and verbally, is. Guys, it's horseshoes and hand grenades, man. It's okay. You don't, do you want me to send you back an email saying, okay, you weigh, you weigh 240 pounds. If you take one, one milli, milliliter more than X, you're going to poison yourself. And if you take one milliliter less than X, it's going to have no efficacy. Well, of course not. That's not the case. It's horseshoes and hand grenades. Guys, just get in the ballpark. Seriously. Seriously. Get in the ballpark, okay? Just get close. Think about your bottle of aspirin. What does it say? 
average adult, take two pills. Not get out a razor blade and start sawing pills into ninths or anything like that. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's not that, it's not that precise and it's not poison, but you know, I understand a little bit why people are freaked out about this because Americans have no prior experience with being like clandestine, um, self-medicating under the table, uh, anonymous uh, apothecaries, uh, anonymous apothecaries. Well put Americans have uh, modern adult Americans have no experience with this. And so they're like, they want precise instructions for everything. Sweetie, those days are over the, the medical infrastructure is 100% all in on this COVID scam. And they're not going to tell you anything. So you, can, you can't look to them. That's all over. I mean, and we've talked about this before. If I were to get sick right now, the last thing, the last thing I would do is go anywhere near a doctor or anywhere near a hospital or emergency room. Oh, I've no, no way. Absolutely no way. You, you couldn't, you couldn't drag me there. I would fight you all the way because they, they would kill me. I mean, if I, if I got sick and I got the flu or I had the, I had a little chest cold or something. Oh my gosh, you show up anywhere, anywhere near any of those people. They're all so converted to this religion. And we've talked about this. It's a religion. All they want is dead bodies. And so they'd say, and I'm alone, you know, I'm, I'm functionally alone where I am. There's no one to advocate for me. They would give me um, propofol and they would anesthetize me and they would shove a tube down my snorkel and they would blow my lungs out. And all I would be to them is another dead body um, of, of pneumonia and they'd collect their half million or whatever the payout is. Hell no. So we have to be self-sufficient in this. And that means you have to be smart. You have to do your research. You have to learn to look things up. You have to learn how to do conversions and figure out linear conversions. Okay, if it's this for this weight and I weigh this much, then it's either over or under. Although, you know what? If anyone weighed under 185 pounds, I'd still say take, take the buck and a quarter. Take the buck and a quarter cc. That stuff isn't going to hurt you any more than an, than an aspirin is going to hurt you. Just, just take the buck and a quarter if you weigh less than 185 pounds. It's not going to hurt you. Um, or stated differently, if, if you are, are thinking about getting the three milliliter syringe and um, are paranoid about having the dose off, don't worry about it. And and you did say no. the, the 125 cc's for the average male. I'm not going to worry about the other 74 potential genders, but the, the, the measurements work the same for women too, right? Well, of course. I mean, that's what we're saying. I mean, the assumption there is... I mean, we're talking about me talking to my friends who are bovine veterinary practitioners where 185 doesn't apply to most women in their circle, you know? I mean, most women weigh considerably less than that in their circle. But, you know, in the urban environment, there's a hell of a lot of women that weigh a buck 85 and weigh considerably more than, than a buck 85. We're talking, it's a linear uh, value based on weight. What is an average man, white man in the central U.S., what does he weigh? 
he probably weighs about a buck 85. And then just go linearly from that, guys. Put a coefficient in front of it. If you weigh more, put a coefficient in front of it. This, this is like seventh grade. I, won't, I don't even want to say algebra. It's not even algebra. It's just arithmetic. Um, and if, if you weigh less than a buck 85, um, do you cut aspirins into, into fractions? No, you, you take two. If you're a woman and you weigh less than the quote average adult male that, which is dosed on the back of the aspirin bottle, you, you just take whatever the adult dose is, right? Don't worry about it. This stuff is not poison. It's not chemotherapy. It's not going to make your hair fall out. It's one of the safest, most benign drugs in the world that happens to be a huge antiparasitic and a huge antiviral. And it's dirt cheap. And that's why nobody's talking about it. And that's why they were trying to ban it and are still kind of trying to ban it because it it goes, it flies in the face of all of the um, pharmaceutical company, uh, their total agenda, which they're in it for the money. Now, Gates and, and China, they're in it to kill everybody because they're a bunch of Luciferian psychopathic bastards. But the, the pharmaceutical company, I mean, they're secondarily Luciferian psychopathic bastards, but primarily they're in it for the money. And so they want the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that they see coming into them over the next however many years before everybody's dead um, coming in from people paying for these quaxine injections, these jabs. But and in guys, the case of Bill Gates, I think both is, are true because uh, and I, I wish I would have thought to uh, I wish I would have thought to, to grab the URL of this video, but um, there there was a he was being interviewed someplace and he was talking about how his big um, his big thrust in, in life right now is is uh, vaccines. That's that's his area of expertise. He called it, <laughs> but he was talking about yeah. This is a, this is a guy who dropped out of out of college as a freshman, yeah. or, or a sophomore at best. Now, granted, it was Harvard, but still. Um, but he made the comment in this interview that vaccines have like a twenty to one um, um, profit ratio. So for every billion dollars you put into it, you can expect to get twenty billion back. Yeah, they're not. I mean, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is the uh, technically they're a philanthropy, but they're in it to make money. Oh, sure. And kill people, yes, and start or sterilize them, but they're in it to make money. And and part of part of the um, the proof of that is the fact that all the news is coming out that uh, even if you know, I saw the, the the first set of headlines this weekend, people who had received both doses of the Moderna vaccine are now starting to test positive for Corona. And they're saying, well, how is this possible? I, I thought I was immune because to this. Because it's, it's not, uh, oh, this is another great point. Um, there's such a thing, there's a term called sterilizing immunity. And a lot of people, good guys on our side, are seeing this and not like reading down and comprehending what that term means. Sterilizing immunity doesn't have anything to do with your reproductive organs. It doesn't have anything to do with ovaries or testicles or anything like that. The term sterilizing immunity means is that once you have a true vaccine, that you then don't get 
you don't get the bug and you don't pass the bug along passively to anyone else. Like, for example, we all got, you know, polio and there is a smallpox, although I don't think people get smallpox anymore because smallpox was eradicated. So there was no need to do it anymore. But those are sterilizing immunities. You, you can't get it yourself and you can't pass it along to anyone else. That's what sterilizing immunity means. It doesn't mean it, um, you know, shortcuts your or, or destroys your, your capacity to reproduce sexually. That's not what that is. So people are seeing that and they're not doing the reading comprehension and they're not reading the whole thing as so many people are guilty of. Um, all of us are guilty of, to some extent, on the internet, we just kind of, you know, glaze and skim things and we don't fully comprehend. That's what sterilizing immunity is. And so they're talking about that. And um, that that's the point of that. Why, why in the world think about this? Just think logically about this. Why in the blue hell would you demand that people get a, a jab of something that doesn't provide sterilizing immunity, that doesn't provide even passive immunity. You can still get the thing. You can still pass the thing on to other people. Why in the blue hell do you insist anybody get it at all at that point? This is insanity. And nobody has the capacity to think this through. And then you have to ask yourself, what in the hell is going on here? What's the agenda? And Denninger, Denninger came out this week, and I've, I'm 100% in agreement with him. I think he's right on. I think this damn thing, I initially thought that it was a sterilant, that it was, was going to be just a pure sterilant. I think it's way worse than that. I think it's worse than any of us could even imagine. I think Bill Gates and, and all of those people these Malthusian eugenicists, Luciferians, in, in concert with the Chinese, have decided that they need to deploy a tag, a marker. And Denninger goes into this, and we'll put this in the show notes. I have an entire post on this, and it's, I think it's absolutely true. What this mRNA injection is, is it, it's a tag. It's a marker so that you get a completely unique antibody coursing through your body and there's not a damn thing you can do about it after you've had the jab. You have a completely unique antibody. They already have, Denninger thinks it's gonna, they don't have it yet and it's gonna come within the next five years. I disagree. I think they already have it because why in the hell would they deploy this if they didn't already have the, the follow-up, the phase two ready to go? Um, I think the the 2019-2020 corona scam was the opening act. Terrorize everybody, do the fear porn, get everybody in the world completely terrorized to the point where people are voluntarily lining up to get injected with their marker so that then they come in with the next phase, or even if it's just the natural progression of any coronaviridae, 
that you have this marker in you that has been engineered such that as soon as you are confronted with the next iteration of coronaviridae, you have a hyper um, you have a hyper reaction from your own immune system that causes what to happen? Your lungs to fill with fluid and you die. And guess what? They blame it on COVID or the next iteration of COVID or see, oh my gosh, we told you this was the next wave. This was this is the third, fourth, fifth, 21st, 22nd, 23rd wave. And people... Got totally healthy adults who have had the jab are dropping dead from untreatable catastrophic pneumonia because they have lined up like a bunch of absolute dumbasses and been injected with exactly what Bill Gates and the rest of them and the Chinese wanted them to do, which is suicide. Autogenocide. This is, and Denninger puts this so well, this is the holy grail of bioweaponry. This is, this is it. This is what all bioweaponry has been just gunning for since the beginning of the field. And the insurance Get- is paying for it. And the insurance is paying for it. Is this, Get- is, is the, you talked about lungs filling up with fluid. Is, is this the same thing as the cytokine storm? Yeah, exactly. That's what that is. This hyper autoimmune um, reaction, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. And you you just drown. You drown, and they'll and they'll call it COVID twenty one or whatever it is, and they'll blame it on that. And they've given themselves legal immunity. Another huge red flag. They've given themselves total legal immunity from all of this. So no matter what happens, you get the jab, you die, whether it's immediately right now, there are already over a thousand people in the U.S. dead from the jab, Um, which statistically, Nurse Claire keeps frantically sending stuff saying, you guys, nothing even close to this statistically has ever happened much less been tolerated if it were if it were one tenth statistically of the deaths that this jab is causing it would have been immediately pulled from the market why is this not being pulled from the market because the deaths are the objective and it they have to keep going with this they cannot stop they cannot back off they can't back off even a little bit because if they back off even slightly off of this, they're essentially admitting that they are guilty of the largest crime against humanity that has ever been perpetrated. Well, ever. not only are they not backing off, they're not going to allow even a little bit of the truth. And if they're going to talk about it at all and speak anything in truth, it's going to be something like um, 100% or doctors are reporting that nobody who has died of the uh, Moderna and Pfizer vaccines have actually gone on to contract COVID. This is awesome. <laughs> It's, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's, and, and people continue to fall for this because it's a religion and people have converted to this religion and trying to get people deprogrammed from conversion to a false religious cult is one of the most difficult things to do in all of human psychology and all of human experience. And it's terrifying, but all we can do is, is tell people 
for the love of God, don't get this. Don't get the, don't get the quack scene. Um, get ivermectin and have it in, in stock if you need it, because your doctor is probably a complete sellout. Unless your doctor is Dr. Beep, then, you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't trust him. He's not going to tell you. Did he, did he tell anybody before about ivermectin? Did he tell anybody before about hydroxychloroquine or was he shaking in his boots? I'll have my license pulled if I even try to prescribe that, uh, you know, so, um, so you've got that, don't get the quack scene. You've got ivermectin so that you can self dose. And, um, you know, beyond that, take your vitamin D vitamin D is for real. Denninger right now has a really good post up and we'll link to that too. He goes through all of the different things. And he says, this is, this has been, you know, experimentally and scientifically proven to work. This has been proven not to. So for example, like vitamin C, people are saying vitamin C, vitamin, I mean, vitamin C is great, but vitamin C actually is experimentally proven to not really have any effect on, on, uh, the Corona. So, but there's lots of other things that do. Ivermectin does. Hydroxychloroquine does. There's other stuff that does. Vitamin D. Vitamin D totally does. Presence so, of vitamin C will accelerate the uptake of vitamin D, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So yeah, you know, drink your orange juice, friends. Absolutely. It, it can't hurt you. Vitamin C is a wonderful thing, but you know, don't overdose on it either thinking that it's going to or just vitamin C is gonna is gonna protect you or prevent anything. It's not. And 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 at the end of the day, remember, this damn thing statistically is a chest cold. It's a nasty chest cold. Oh, all these people have died. Yeah, you know what? Old people have died of pneumonia. It's the number three or four killer of the elderly since time immemorial. People are dying. Yes, they are. Old people are dying. Absolutely. And when I get old, I'm going to die. And I'll either die of a heart attack, a stroke, pneumonia, or cancer. So, you know, I mean, I'm not going to fly into a blind panic over it. Um, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And that's what all of this is. It's it's autogenocide. It's suicide. And I made a post, and we've been talking about you know Our Lady and Fatima and Akita. Akita is where she said entire nations will be annihilated. And you well, think? That, no, that was Fatima. Was that Fatima? Yes. What's Akita? Akita was was uh, that that Our Lady will no longer hold back the 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 hand of divine justice, and that fire will fall from the sky. Which is something humans have figured out how to do, by the way. Yeah. But, but uh, and, and that was, that was I've always thought that might be one of the ways of, of um, the annihilation of nations. But your 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 blog post about, and it was something that I think I heard on the No Agenda show as well. They were theorizing or something. They were talking about somebody who was saying that it is possible that the mRNA, how it modifies the, the genes, adding the spike protein, it might actually be effective against COVID-19, but it could also be something where, uh, let's let's say you are the Chinese and you are playing mm -hmm. 6D chess and you are thinking this far ahead and you bought off all the influential people in the United States to do what yep. do what you want and and specifically put people like Anthony Fauci who are clinically idiotic in places of of uh, clinical authority even though they can't understand what in the world they're talking about and you mandate these vaccine mRNA they're not vaccines mRNA vaccine, gene therapies yeah. to go through mm -hmm. what that prepares you for is then the release of a the real um, 
you know, the, the payload, the, the binary weapon, the second yeah. second load, it could be COVID-24 or whatever. Right. And that could be, you know, it could be something as innocuous as a second chest cold that the average normal, healthy human being, would, their their immune system would just kind of shrug off. Yep. And if you were worn down and, and exhausted for various reasons, you might get uh, knocked out for three or four days and have to sleep it off and, and, and feel horrible. But you, you would survive it is the point. Yep. Unless you were dumb enough to get this gene modification thing, at which point it sets off it your immune you. system to kill yourself. Yep. And yes, yep. that could kill a lot of people. And I don't think it's going to come this year because um, it, if you if you were an enemy who was thinking this far ahead, you would want to make sure you get at least, I would say, at least yeah. two-thirds, ideally 90% of your, your target um, you need time. That's right. That's right. You need time. And people aren't doing it as quickly as they want. Um, we're seeing that all over the place. There, there's a lot of people all over, all over the world, including in countries that have had incredibly severe lockdowns. And people are saying, nope, I'm, I'm not doing this. Now, there's a lot of stupid people who are doing it. And it shockingly or not shockingly, you know, the, the, we've talked about the, the blindness that comes with living in a state of unrepentant mortal sin and not being in the church and so forth, but they, they don't have nearly enough people yet. They need more time. So I think you're absolutely right. They, their goal is, is just 90, they're, they're very open about this 90% reduction in the human population in a matter of decades. The only way you can do that is if you've got people just actively participating in their own death and in, in auto genocide. And, you know, you see the words of Our Lady saying entire nations will be annihilated. And you think, how can that even happen? I mean, the nu nuclear weapon, I mean, but, but no, that's just... That doesn't even that doesn't even compute. How do you get entire nations annihilated? And the only thing you can come up with is is if people are actively lining up and participating in their own death, in their own autogenocide. And boy, oh boy, this gives every indication. And the fact that anti Pope Bergoglio and the anti church are like one of the biggest global cheerleaders of this project. It's, it's informative. It's informative. I think that was one of the questions I asked you the other day. Is there a local ordinary anywhere in the world? Because initially I said Bishop, but is there a local ordinary anywhere in the world who has said, do not take these vaccines? What did we come up with? Someone looked up Strickland and it was wishy-washy at best. I I don't think so. Yeah. The, another thought that just came to mind too, talking about annihilation of nations. I always thought, you know, this probably could be nuclear war or something like that. But then again, if is as dispersed, and I'm just I'm an American, so I'm going to look at America first. Plus, I still have the temperature map up on my computer screen, so that's what I'm looking at the, the nation. If you mm -hmm. were to nuke the nation, you would want to. I mean, it would take a lot of nukes. The Russians would have to be involved. The yeah. Chinese probably have it too, but. If we had even a minute of warning, you'd have to so blanket the country to kill everybody. It yeah. would be a massive expenditure, and, and there may be second-order and third-order repercussions that would end up affecting the Chinese. 
But if you had everyone take this jab or enough people take the jab, let's say 90% of the United States takes the jab and then you release the secondary effect and it kills 90% of the people. Mm-hmm. Or let's say, let's say only 90% of those or 80% of those. If you have only 15 to 20% of the country left, I and think- where's, where's your infrastructure? Exactly. I mean, I mean how, do you, how do you run anything at that point? Somebody's yep. going to come in and take over. Yep. Uh, you don't have a nation anymore. You don't have a nation anymore. Exactly. And that's where Americans are so blind and so obtuse is that they, they literally think that food comes from the grocery store. And Amazon is even worse for this because now it's just you, you get on Amazon and you get anything you want delivered to your door within 24 hours. And people think that just crap comes out of some van that drives by your house or something. There is no comprehension at all of infrastructure. Who's going to grow all the food? Who's going to process the petroleum? Who's going to keep the electricity on? Who's going to do all this stuff? Meanwhile, you are so helpless that you Barely can even change a light bulb in your own home. And yes, I'm angry if you hear anger in my voice. You are so helpless and effeminate that you can't do hardly anything for yourself. And, and you're, you're going to wonder when 80% of the people are dead from cytokine storm pneumonia that nobody can do a damn thing about. And you're going to say, well, where's the food? Well, no, no shit, Sherlock. Where is the food? Everybody who was growing the food is dead, and everybody who was driving driving the food from A to B is dead, and everyone who was processing the food is dead. No shit. Language alert. Sorry. Well, that's if 75 to 80% die initially from the the binary weapon mRNA, but let's just say 75% of the population is, you know, gets this jab. And then 75% of those end up dying in the initial wave of the, or dying from, from the, from a binary weapon. Yep. So that, that is 56% of the population. Right. So, okay. I like my odds. Maybe I'm the lucky one out of two. But then again, half of the population is now gone. Yep. Second order effects. Yep. How many can grow your own food? If you take half of the American population out of commission, just wipe them out. Yep. Now can the country even run? It's an it's an elect it's an electromagnetic pulse event without an electromagnetic pulse. Right. So the people who see this happening who didn't die, now they're looking around saying, "There's no hope. You're going to have a wave of of um, of suicide. You're going to have a yep. wave of starvation from yep. those who suddenly don't have the grocery stores on which to rely anymore. Yep. And you're going to have other people dying from from lawlessness." Uh, people going crazy and wild and looting because, hey, you know, 56% of the police just died. Yep. And and uh, that's going to quickly turn in, go from 56% maybe to 60, 65% just because people are going to starve. They're going to kill themselves. They're going to kill each other. Yep. It's going to be pandemonium. And yeah, in that scenario, we would welcome Red Army Boots coming here and saving the day. They will be hailed as liberators. We will be we will be begging them. We will be begging them to occupy. I've said it for 15 years. This ends with red Chinese boots on the ground in North America. They will be 
begged to occupy us if this is if this is what happens and i'm i'm seeing and hearing it already i had a i had a horrific conversation with an adult man a businessman um in his late 30s the other day and he confessed to me and he is going to be my lenten prayer intention uh, i mean because anything is possible with god and someone has to pray for this guy because none of his family is going to um and he is he's on weed and he's on xanax because he can't handle the stress of this he's he's completely totally heterosexual and you know he's got a living he's got a living girlfriend so this guy isn't a fag guy in his late 30s businessman is is so effeminate he can't handle any of this and so it doesn't even occur to him that we need to fight, we need to join up, we need to organize, nothing. His his way out of this is weed and Xanax until he's dead. And you know what? He's not the only one. This is endemic. This is absolutely everywhere. So, you know, beware any of these people. And again, reiterating there, there's now trad inc, you know, partisans and thought leaders, the Francis's Pope people who are now suddenly discovering Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson is a meth head, drug addict, atheist, um, narcissist, psycho, um, and those people flock together, you know, that some of these people just love Jordan Peterson because his number one mantra is take your pills, which means Xanax, which means benzodiazepines or whatever those things are called. For the love of God, if it, don't don't be afraid of dying, just beg God that you die well and you're completely lucid and sentient and you are and you have gone to confession and you have a provided death, not that you die numb. And that's what frauds, abject frauds like Jordan Peterson, who who hit a, hit a vein and realized, oh, let me start telling people that they need to get up and get dressed in the morning. I mean, I mean, it, it, what what a state the world has come to when someone who says get up and get dressed in the morning is hailed as like a thought leader and a cult leader, and we need to we need to follow this guy. Guy's a meth head, meth head. He had to be sent to Russia where they put you under general anesthesia. They induce a coma in you, which they won't do in the U.S., but they do it in Russia to get you off of um, benzos and and like op opioids. That's how far gone this and meth and crystal meth. It's oh, that's what it was. That's why he was put under anesthesia to get because he was addicted to meth. Seriously? That's the best you can do. Oh my gosh, we're going to trail after this guy because he says, hey, you should get up in the morning and, and put clothes on. If you're that far gone, if you're that stupid and you're that lazy and just lost, I mean, get off the internet immediately and uh, seek answers elsewhere, but not, not from that dude. And I know that there were people who were hardcore into him, especially Catholics who were hardcore into him. That dude was a cult leader, is a cult leader. Stay the hell away from him and his crazy, creepy daughter and all that garbage. It's it's extraordinarily dangerous. And anyone who's falling for that is 
equally as as deranged and should not be followed and should be rejected wholeheartedly. And there are sadly there are trading thought leaders who are just trailing off after this guy. But then they're also going to the schismatic Eastern Orthodox too. So no surprise there. Well yeah. <laughs> well yeah. <laughs> So I think we pretty well baked the quack scene uh, topic. Um, let's see, we talked about Xanax. Um, I wasn't ready for you to get off the soapbox quite that fast. That's why I'm trying to fill fill air here and say, um, what's the transition? I wasn't ready. I'm, be- I'm being unusually <laughs> succinct this evening, am I not? <laughs> no, you're, you're getting better at at, uh, at at the ambush surprise ending, and mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not because usually I can see you know at least ninety seconds out. It's like okay, we're getting ready for a, for a topic transition here. Let me look at the notes and say, okay, what's coming up next? Uh, well, yeah. where do you want to go? How about retirement plans? Even though this isn't a financial show, um, retirement plans. There, some people are worried about um, having nothing left, and um, what's the traditional retirement plan, Anne? Kids. <laughs> oh, that that piece generated quite a bit of syndication, quite a bit of feedback. Um, yes, um, the retirement plan before before Vatican II basically before the middle of the 20th century you know people people didn't agonize over i have to have a savings account with this this is i mean i mean they paid off their homes and they owned their homes and you know they were debt free naturally but they weren't like agonizing over having hundreds of thousands of dollars ready to go or the uh, the inflation adjusted uh, the inflation adjusted equivalent of hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars ready to go for retirement this is all completely new what you did was that you had children as many as god saw fit to bless you with and you would you thought, okay, you know, roughly 10, 15% of however many kids we have will probably enter the church, maybe something like that, you know, we'll have into the religious pre- life. They should all into be in the, the religious life. Well, yeah, they're, they're all in the church into the religious life. So we'll have, we'll have a priest or two. We'll have a nun or sister or two, you know, something like that. And that was, you know, just kind of baked into the thing, but you have as many kids as God blesses you with because you're not contracepting and you're not doing the fake, uh, the fake NFP. Well, we're only going to have sex while the woman is on her period so that we guarantee that we're not going to get pregnant. That NFP, that's, that's all, that's all bad business too, man. You need, you need to be just, you need to be having kids. Okay. And you need to not be trying to get out of it unless, unless mom is like seriously sick or something like that. Yeah. And then, and then the answer to that is just abstain. Don't have sex, but don't be, don't be playing these games. Don't be playing these games. Anyway, you have eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 kids and people used to do this all the time and not just Catholics. I mean, one of the things that I do, and this is kind of sad, but I do keep an eye on the obituaries in the in the newspaper of the city that I grew up just to, you know, if anybody that I know passed away, you know. So I look at I look at the obituaries in in Leavenworth County, Kansas, and oftentimes 
you will see obituaries for black people and if they are born if the black people if the black person who dies is born is like adult anywhere from the 30s to the 60s most of them have at least 10 kids and these are not catholics this was just normal you, you and and they're married there, you know, a couple would have 10 kids. Oh, the um, 1930s to the 1960s being their birth. I was saying, I was thinking you were saying their age was 30 to 60. No, no, no. They're, they're, okay, mar they're married fertile life being the, being the 30s to the 60s. Um, they would have easily 10 kids, you know, and it's right there in the obituary. You can count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 10, 12, you know, whatever. And some of them had as many as, 13, 14, 15, 16, 14, 13, 14 um, amongst Catholics used to be pretty kind of standard, you know, assuming mom and dad got married when they were in their very early 20s, mom would have 12, 13, 14, and that was, pre that was pretty normal. And there, there might be a set of twins in there, but you know, maybe not too. Um, so th there were, if you, if you get to the point where you're retired, you know, you, you don't want to work full time anymore necessarily. Okay. You own your house. So what a lot of these people would do is actually mom and dad wouldn't stay in the big house where they had all these kids. They would usually swap or they would buy a smaller house and one of their kids would move into the big house and one of their kids would then have, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten kids. Mom and dad don't need to live in the big house anymore. So they would like swap, they would do a sell buy on their house and they would move into a smaller house for their retirement. Then if nobody's working, and let's assume there's no social security or anything like that, there's no pension, no 401k, obviously, um, no annuity, then what would happen is that the kids would, and let's say they've got 14 kids, four of them um, entered religious life, so they've got 10 kids who have married and established households of their own. 10 kids popping in you know, 400 a month, that's four grand a month for mom and dad to live off of. They own their house and they own their cars. So that's covering, you know, their living expenses, their food, and pr presumably any um, medical expenses they might have. Then if they get old, they get sick, they get Alzheimer's, whatever it is, you've got 10 kids to share this burden. It's not one kid having to bear the complete burden of the parents. It's spread over all of the kids. Now, the parents might end up living with one of the kids, but everybody's chipping in on this thing, you know. And if it gets to the point where they need to be in the hospital or they need, um, you know, 24-hour nursing home care, again, you've got 10 people who can, who can 10 established households that can pitch in on this. So it's not a problem. This is the way things worked. Mom and dad really didn't need to worry about their elder years. And isn't it, isn't it bizarre that today to say that is just like this incomprehensible statement. Mom and dad didn't need to worry about their retirement years. The kids, the kids had it covered. 
Today, that's just incomprehensible. And isn't that just horrifically, horrifically sad? So people, uh, some of the feedback and, and this piece and the piece that I posted got syndicated in multiple places. And, you know, multiple people rightly, I, I can't I can't blame them for making this critique is, well, Barnhart is one to talk because she's in exactly the same position. She's 44, never married, obviously no children. You know, she's she's running her mouth, but she's she's in exactly the same boat. Who's going to take care of her? Well, people people are right in the sense that I have anticipated that I'm not going to live to natural old age. Now, I might. I certainly might. But that's not my expectation. The other thing to remember, and, you know, this is this is probably partially my fault, too, is that one of the reasons I'm not married is because the potential marriage pool for me was just incredibly small. You can't marry anybody who's divorced, right? Because they're, a person who's divorced is already married. So you, that's adultery. You can't marry anyone who's divorced. Then, um, just on a personal note for myself, and this is something that I've, that I've told to you know, priests and anybody who's involved with you know, marriage prep or, or anything like that, counseling young people, and and please forgive me if this sounds extremely conceited, but it's it's the truth, and I'm going to say it. You cannot have a situation where the woman in a couple is smarter than the man. That doesn't work. The man needs to be smarter. In fact, I think we've done, haven't we done a podcast where we've talked about this? I know the topic has come up, yes. It's come up. It's come up. You cannot have a situation where the woman has a has a significantly higher IQ and is, is significantly smarter than the man. That doesn't work. There needs to be at least parity, or if there's not parity, then it needs to be on the side that the man is smarter than the woman. Because the, obviously the man is the head of the household. He's the head of the marriage. If you've got a situation where the woman is vastly smarter than the man, then it's just, at, yeah, that's not going to work. Third thing to remember, every man who goes gay is depriving a woman somewhere of a husband. And I think a lot of people don't think about that, but this is extremely important. Every single guy who descends into diabolical narcissism and then becomes a, becomes a sodomite, there's a girl somewhere that he should have married. If he, if he wasn't going to enter religious life, and <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm snickering as I say that, as I sure, I'm sure many of the listeners are snickering too, but you know what I mean. Assuming that, assuming that the priesthood today was free of sodomites as it should be, okay? Let's just, let's just compartmentalize that and put that question over to the side. If a man doesn't um, enter religious life, doesn't become a priest or a monk, then he, he should get married. Okay, if, the, if a guy is a sodomite and he's chosen that, there's some girl sitting somewhere who, you know, doesn't, doesn't have a dance partner. Let's put it that way. You see what I'm saying? 
the other thing, now a corollary to that, is men who descend into diabolical narcissism and sexual perversion tend, tend to be of above average intelligence. And so, yeah, it, 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 it affects women who are forward on the IQ curve, who are in the, you know, second, third standard deviation on the IQ bell curve. Every time a man descends into diabolical narcissism and becomes a sodomite. And so I'm not, I'm not blaming any, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not bitter at all, at all. Um, I look at my life right now and I say, everything has worked out clearly exactly as it should have. I'm free to do the things that I'm doing, but you know what? That's, that's me. That's not, you can't map that onto the entire population of women. Um, and I, I weep and I am, let's assume that, that what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast with regards to the mass autogenocide of, of the jab, let's just, uh, let's compartmentalize that and put that over to the side for a minute. I look at these girls, I mean, I'm 44. I look at these girls who are, you know, in their late teens, twenties, even their thirties and look at how many guys there are that are fags and just realize, oh my gosh, there's nobody for these girls to marry. And why do you think, why do you think there are so many young girls who are turning to lesbianism? It's not because they're attracted to other girls. It's because they look around and on a subconscious or low conscious level, they see and realize that there aren't any guys, that the guys are all fags. And if, if you, if you aren't super duper cute and attractive and you don't attract the, you know, the good Clark Kent's that are left in the world, you're left sitting there without a dance partner. And these girls, instead of, instead of recognizing and seeing what's going on, they fall into the trap of, of the culture and the society. And they think, well, I'll just, I'll just become a lesbian. And they turn to each other. And that's all, it's all in, uh, St. Paul talks about it in Romans, Romans chapter one, you know, the men give up natural relations and the women give up natural relations. He, he talks about all of it. It's, it's very clear. And it's, it's, it's so incredibly sad. And I see it more, well, not so much anymore because they're, aren't so many people out and about now because of, of the Corona scam. But before the Corona scam happened, there was a marked um, uptick within the last few years, even of young girls who were clearly turning to lesbianism and they, and they weren't, they weren't hideous, awful dykes. They were just girls. They were girls that looked like the girls that I went to high school with, except, you know, they're walking down the street, hands linked with another girl. And then sometimes you would see them standing on the street, kissing another girl with their mouth open. And you were just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, why is she doing that? And the reason she's doing that is because there aren't any guys. I think the the male sodomy is the root of the problem. But so that's a little bit of an explanation. I mean, and obviously, um, it's certainly fair, I think, for anyone to make the argument that I 
am, I, I am now, I think I am now, but maybe I've always been unmarriageable. That's a completely fair critique, but don't use me as an example of, you know, the broad society and women and not getting married and all that. Cause I'm, I'm weird. And, and you can certainly argue that I'm, I'm weird in a bad way. Um, but I hope that I can take my weirdness in a bad way and, and do something with it that's positive. So, you know, I have the ability to say the things that I say on the internet. I have the ability to live in the proverbial down, van down by the river. I had the ability to be, you know, kind of a, a, a weird um, uh, thought leader in the cattle industry of all things. Um, for, for a few years at least. And, you know, I still sell the cattle marketing DVD. Um, so I'm still able to do that and have credibility doing that. Um, so I don't, I don't regret any of it, but I also wouldn't recommend it to any young girl. Would you, would you want to follow in my footsteps? Eh, no, probably not. But, but, you know, God works with, with what there is and I don't, I don't regret any of it. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful for just the stuff that I've been able to do so far. And I can't wait to see how this, this situation in the world progresses and can't wait to see if, if maybe there's anything more that I can do. Um, every day is a fresh day and a new adventure. And, um, I don't fear death. I don't fear unnatural death. And I'm, I'm genuinely, um, not excited. That's not the right word, but genuinely, I genuinely anticipate with hope, um, whatever the future holds and whatever I can do. And clearly if I had a husband and children, I wouldn't have been able to do any of this stuff that I've done. I would have never burned the Quran. I would have never shut down my business. I probably would have never had my business in the first place because I would have been taking care of kids and all that. And I certainly wouldn't have been able to do any of the things that I've done since I went to the van down by the river in the last eight years. And that's, uh, I mean, you can see the, the, the hand of the divine providence in it. But again, I'm no template. I'm no example. I'm nothing that anyone should aspire to follow after. I'm, I'm, I think I'm an anomaly and I'm cool with that. I'm cool with being an anomaly. It reminds me of something a priest said with regard to the good thief that lest you give up hope, there was somebody who did earn salvation at the last minute as they were dying. Right. But lest you presume there was only one of those recorded in scripture. Yep. So <laughs> lest you presume and it, it could all, it could all fall apart. I mean, but hopefully we're getting ready to enter Lent and, um, you know, make a good confession. And this is a really good time. Actually, entering Lent is a good time to make a general confession. If anyone hasn't done that for the last year or two, might not be a bad idea. So get it all out there and enter into Lent in good shape and make a make a really good Lent this year. I'm I'm resolved to making I had I had an absolutely incredible Lent last year. I don't think it it can I don't think it can ever be matched. But I'm resolved to making making this year a really really good Lent too. It's not it's not going to be unique in the same way that last year was, but I'm it it can be awesome and it can be the making or breaking of me. So everybody should make the same 
the same resolution. Let's let's make 2021. Let's make this Lent every bit as good as last year. Well, and you made the point also in the last podcast that you have no idea when the last time is that you're going to receive Holy mm-hmm. Communion. So you need to treat every Holy Communion you receive as though it could be your viaticum. Yep. And it's it's. I mean, some I could see where some people might dismiss that and say, ah, that you, I, I go to communion every day or I go to communion every week. Um, yes, at some point there will be an end to that. But when you use it at the scale of a year, especially given what happened last year, and I think we're in a lull between storms. Yeah, 2020 is over. Yep. Um, there, there seems to be a little bit of a lull, a lull right now. It's There's not a lot going on. I suspect that's because the eye of the hurricane is directly overhead and we're about to get hit hit with the backside of it here in a minute. Um, Yeah. Take advantage of Lent. Take Mm -hmm. take advantage. I mean, you should be starting now. I mean, I was listening to a sermon this last week saying that the whole idea of pigging out and and, uh, gorging on on Fat Tuesday and everything right up to Mm. Lent, you're you're making it harder for yourself once you go into Lent, but it's also antithetical to the idea of of, of what you're supposed to be starting the fasting on on Septuagesma. As soon as as the liturgical season flipped over to purple, that's when you're supposed to be starting, you know, gradually easing into Mm -hmm. it. You don't go to the, to the full fast yet, but. Yeah. Carnival, that whole thing, that indicates a profound lack of understanding of anything. Um, I remember when I was in RCIA, someone saying to me, oh, well, you're, you're going to be baptized on, on the Easter vigil. Are you going to, are you going to go out and commit a whole bunch of sins? And I was like, what are you talking about? And they were serious, you know? are you going to go out and do, are you going to go out and do stuff? Like, no, I I love God. Why would I do that? You know, it's that complete lack of understanding. And that's the, you see that in the New Orleans culture, which is, there's a lot of Satanism and, and um, occultism that's, um, that's endemic in the whole New Orleans, Louisiana voodoo culture. And you also see it in Europe in like the Venetian carnival and all of that. And people running around wearing masks and having orgies and doing crap like that. And he's just like, that is just, that's indicative of, of an extremely unhealthy and certainly not any sort of a admirable or devout Catholic culture, even though like, for example, well, both of them, both in New Orleans and in Venice, pretty much everybody back in the day was Catholic. And there was, and we're, this is way before Vatican II, folks. I mean, the, the problems didn't start with Vatican II. The whole mindset of going out and committing sins in anticipation of what that is, is it's presuming upon God's mercy. And what do, what are we told that that is? And it, it truly is. That's the unforgivable sin is presuming upon God's mercy. Well, I'm going to go do this stuff. And then, yeah, then it's going to be Lent and Easter. No, if, if you would even do it consciously in the first place, that, that we're, we're seeing a massive, massive psycho-spiritual problem there. Because you're you're just saying, okay, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to nail you to the cross. I'm willing to scourge you, and I don't care because you said you'd take it, 
and it's your problem now. And so you, you legally, you legally have to forgive me, even though I do these things. And you know, he, he doesn't cause he's not an idiot. And this isn't a, this isn't a legalistic paradigm. What, what you are judged upon at the end of the day boils down to love, to charity. And first and foremost, it's love of God. If you're going to use him and abuse him and say, oh, okay, you can go to the pillar. You can go to the cross. I'm going to go, I'm going to go out and get stoned and do this, this, this. That's, um, who's to say you don't die in the process of that and you never make it to your baptism. Well, exactly. You don't, you don't make it. But even if, even if you are baptized, that you would presume upon that, that you would be comfortable with saying, you, you have to cover this. You, you said you'd take it. You took it. You, you said you want this. You went to the garden and said, you want this. All right. I'm going to do whatever I want. You're an absolute psychopath if, if that's your mindset. And you're not going to make it through your particular judgment if that's your mindset and you die like that, that it's all just some big legalistic game. He's a person. He's God Almighty. He's the creator. He's infinite, but he's incarnate and he's a person. And if you could do that to him, if you could do that to the God man, then you're you're a complete psycho. And I don't see how you could possibly expect to get through your particular judgment. And that's why the church teaches that presuming upon his mercy is the unforgivable sin. And even if you did manage to not die before being baptized, yes, that does wipe the slate clean. But, and this reminds me of a conversation I had with, with a, a friend probably 20 years ago who was envying a, an adult convert to Catholicism, how they were starting out with a clean slate. And I said, yeah, but they're also starting out with inclinations to sins that they didn't realize were sins and grave. And that's going to be a very serious fight for mm-hmm. them, something you don't have and you, don't, you can't relate to. Uh-huh. This is going to be really. This is going to be like hell because they're going through a withdrawal that you've never had before. Right. You're lucky, and you don't know it. Yep. That's really. That's a really good analogy. It's like coming off of meth or heroin or something. You know, you've you've got all the garbage that you have to dump. Whereas if you had been baptized and raised right and raised in the church you wouldn't have that that addiction so to speak and so many converts today especially i mean they're they're generally having to walk away from m- mortal sin mortal sin and so yeah and, that's and a it great is, point. It, it's a massive spiritual you know miracle that that's able to happen but it's not like satan is just giving up on them at that point and it's like he's yep. just going to sit back and say you know it's it's not just me who's tempting you it's the world and your own flesh I'm yep. going to sit back because you've already got m- momentum against you, and I'll throw in temptations when it's the most opportune. Mm-hmm. When, when you're actually uh, faltering, I'll bring somebody from your past life across your your uh, across your path and say, "Hey, do you want to go down to um, I don't know whatever the bar district is in town and all the things that used to happen that that followed on from that?" Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to if you're in the process of conversion and you are stepping away from mortal sin. Or if you know somebody who's in that that, that uh, phase of conversion, Catholic friends cannot be underscored. The importance of Catholic friends. 
Now we've mm-hmm. made I've made the comment before. You're the you are the average of the five closest people you know. Yeah. Make them holy. Yep. And if they aren't particularly holy, if you're the holiest among the five, get new friends. Make that's new right. friends. Yep. Seriously. Yep. I forgot about that. That's that's one of your best lines in the entire oove of the Barnhart podcast is you are the average of the five people that you hang around with the most. And guys, that can include people online that you've like never even met personally in your entire life. But if you're hanging around people on social media, online, whatever, that counts. You know, people, there's a lot of people who say, well, that's not real life. And they're using, you know, in real life, dot, dot, dot. That's every bit as much in real life as anything else. Don't kid yourself. Do not kid yourself. I mean, as, as if I would ever, like, for example, Super Nerd. Would, would I deny, even though Super Nerd and I have never met face-to-face yet, would I ever deny that Super Nerd is my friend, is my associate, is, you know, all of these things? Well, of course not. He's, he's, he's a massive part of my life doing the website, doing the podcasts, just conversations that we have, you know, via messaging services and things like this. He's a massive part of my life. What kind of a psycho would I be to deny that I have a, an actual relationship with super nerd? And also Super Nerd's wife, and also Nurse Claire, and also, you know, Dr. Matza and Mark Doherty. Of course, I have relationships with these people just because we've never met in person because of the technological developments of, of the epoch in which we live. That that doesn't that doesn't reduce any of this. I mean, I've I've talked by far, I mean, how many Good grief. This is what, 138 and each each podcast is an hour and a half, let's say. I mean, how much time is that that we've talked together? And um, even though I do most of the talk, even though I do most of the talking in the podcast, we talk a lot, you know, outside and planning and, you know, oh, did you see this? And oh, did you see that? And blah, blah, blah. Think about like, for example, look at the letters of St. Catherine of Siena with her correspondence. People that she may have only met once or twice in person, and then they corresponded by letters, which took months to be delivered back and forth. And these people had incredible relationships. Super Dirt and I have been able to talk, you know, actually audibly talk with each other for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours and all kinds of other people the same. And, um, I don't know the whole, the whole, well, no relationship and nothing I do or say online that doesn't count. Cause that's not real life, man. You are kidding yourself. And that includes being abusive to people. And, you know, I've, I mea culpa because I've snapped via email not snapped in the sense of making a, a very curt reply in that sense, not snapped as in I totally make snapped. a snap reply. I, I made, I have made snap replies to people via email within the last couple months that I regret. And, you know, you have to remember these are, these are 
human beings exactly like you. They are, they're, you know, doing the best. They're trying the best that they can. They're trying to find answers. And if they ask you a question in good faith, no matter how much you say, because we, this is kind of circling back to where we opened with, because it, it, it almost always has to do with, you know, dosaging and things like that. Like, okay, <laughs> be patient, explain it again. Don't, don't snap at somebody verbally, even, even an email, because yes, that is real life. It's every bit as real life as someone you meet when you're walking down the street, as they used to say on Sesame street. And, um, yeah, don't, don't kid yourself. There's no fantasy world. This is a, this is a big problem with these, you know, Gen X people. They think that, that there's, there are just these fantasy worlds and they think that the internet is a fantasy world and they can do anything and they can behave any way and they could say anything. And, oh, well, that doesn't count because it's not real life. Bullshit. It is 110% real life and you will be held to account for everything that you do on social media, on the internet, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and don't tell me otherwise, because if you tell me otherwise, and what you're saying is, is for example, that Super Nerd and I aren't really friends. And that's that's just patently, obviously wrong. Totally. Just because we've never met face-to-face -face in real life? Well, we, we will someday, I hope. I hope. But even if we don't, we'll, we'll meet... I hope we'll meet in heaven. And that's the realest real life that there is. And that's what we should all be gunning for. And I, I say the, the same to everybody out there listening, to everybody who emails. I don't reply to everything, but it's all real life. And I, I can't imagine that there's even one person, even my enemies, that I don't want to see in heaven. I want to go to heaven and I want everyone else to go to heaven. And if we make it, then any drama or any nonsense or any misunderstanding or any antagonism that happened while we were alive on Earth, that will all be taken care of. And, and to the, oh, I was going to say, to the point that um, perhaps the first time we'll meet face to face will be could be in heaven. Um, what will be the focus of our relationship at that point, though? It will be with God. It'll be God, yeah. And honestly, if that that's that's a good way to judge who should be your friends here, who should be those five people. What is their relationship with with Christ, mm -hmm. and how important is being Catholic and living, and, you know, following the commandments that God gave? If if your if your friendship with somebody, if you don't have that in common, I would have to question whether or not that's a friendship you want to keep. Exactly, and you know what, Jen Saki, let's let's circle back. We were talking about, you know, marriage and all of that stuff. Man, how could you marry, especially now, how could you marry someone that wasn't on a parody level with you about, you know, the priority of our Lord getting to heaven, all of that? If you, I mean, if, if you, as speaking as a woman, if I, if I, you know, were hypothetically, courting with some man. And he said to me, you are, Anne, Anne, you are the most important thing in the entire universe to me. I would say, okay, this probably isn't going to work. And 
have a good life and thank you thank you for the efforts and thank you for the attention but we are clearly not on the same page and you say oh, well how could you say that that's the most romantic thing ever he just told you you're the most important thing in the universe to him disordered totally disordered and you know what what happens when he realizes that i you know fart in bed or whatever you know i mean it is, is and i'm not god that see it's completely totally disordered so you have to be with someone who has spiritual parity and their priority is loving our lord and savior jesus christ his holy church then comes any you know sacramental marriage and then you know if i were younger then it would be children and actually this is a this is an important point is that the ordinance should be within a marriage the marriage itself and then the children believe it or not a lot of people think that it should be the children first and then the spouse but if the if the relationship with the spouse falls apart then good grief you i mean our entire culture is a testament to what ha to what happens when the relationship between the spouses falls apart the kids pay the price so you have to pay attention the ordinance is relationship with the spouse holy matrimony and then the then the the children yeah, i was gonna say setting aside moral exceptions or um Setting aside exceptions that should require uh, confession, marriage exists before the children and it lasts after the children. It lasts after. So the children. if that yeah. if that uh, marriage relationship isn't strong, and and in terms of you know priorities, if you cannot honestly tell the other person, I love you more than myself but less than God, and not yep. and not mean it as um, a trite saying, if 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 you actually mean that, then then you found somebody worth keeping. Yep. Amen. And super, super nerd found a spouse, but I didn't, but the fact that I didn't is probably part of the divine providence. So, but again, it's nothing to aspire after. Super nerd's life is something to aspire after. Yeah. Plus or minus on the programming, but yeah. <laughs> Leave that again, compartmentalizing. We're going to put that over to the side for a moment. Well, that seems like a, a relatively happy point, and I've been wanting to end the podcast on happy points. I mean, I had a, I had yes. a, uh, I had a note on there about uh, some home invader or a pair of home invaders got uh, shot by a twelve-year-old trying to trying to um, uh, burglarize his grandparents. But I'll save that for later. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. But I, I like the note we ended on before that. So I'm going to yeah. just go on to the to the conclusion. If you don't object, the email address. Object. The email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, and good news items for wrapping up the podcast is podcast at barnhart.biz. And if you really want to send email via ProtonMail and you know why you would want to do that, then the email address there is supernerdmedia at protonmail.com. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors. At least one mass every single day is offered for all benefactors, usually more than one, um, mm -hmm. but at least one every single day. And this is a traditional Catholic Latin mass mm -hmm. and of course once a week for everybody who died the previous week a traditional latin requiem mass is offered um i didn't write down who it was i was going to mention here but there was like two or three people that were significant darn it <laughs> oh there, all that there was agony all no, that there was there, there was somebody there, there was uh there was somebody who um in, in my extended circle of friends um who they, died? Is yeah, who who, who oh. died? It was it was um they 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 were having um 
over at the SSPX, um, uh, that's not SSPX, it's actually Benedictine, but they're affiliated with the SSPX, Silver City, um, uh, New Mexico. They were having the uh, take. Oh, the father and son in the plane crash. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. They they were flying down there to see um, niece or granddaughter uh, mm-hmm. take the veil, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they they um, took off somewhere in eastern it's Missouri. Like right? Yeah, I was gonna say eastern Missouri, someplace, and uh, disappeared from radar, presumed down and dead, and that that is exactly what happened. Uh, yeah. So yeah, obviously they. I, I'm I'm 100% certain they've had other requiem masses said for them as well. Yeah. But everybody else who maybe not have been as lucky sacramentally uh, to to have the masses, everybody who died in the last week had yeah. a Latin requiem mass, and you know that that's one of the ways Anne says thank you and expresses her profound gratitude and in in in, um, in, in you know, I guess payback in a way. Pray for the priests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Without the priest, this it, this isn't possible. And um, I'm I don't have a, a new creative way of saying that uh, the priests are under attack more than we can imagine it but they are um and it's it's getting it's accelerating just at a terrifying speed so please please in your rosaries in in absolutely everything if you stop into the church if you stop in to visit our lord in the tabernacle in adoration anything please please pray for priests because they're just some of them, you can just see the terror in their eyes because they can see what's coming. And I don't envy them. They're go- they're going to have to be brave. They're going to have to be even braver than we are. So, uh, yeah. The Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or previous episodes and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com to learn more. And I want to recognize a couple donors since the last podcast via the Postal Service. Richard and DS and DS, your DVDs should be shipping in the next couple of days and via PayPal, Christine, Andrew, Sir, Matt, uh, Clinton. I don't know if that's Mr. Clinton, but we're going to thank him right meow. Meow. And then Marilyn. (laughs) I like to think that it's Mr. Clinton, the cat. I like to think that. And still no Bitcoin or GameStop stock. Uh, Maybe next time. Uh, And I'll let you wrap up with the Matthew 1720. Fourfold, fast twice a week if you can, daily prayer intention that Antipope Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as Antipope, that Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Antipope Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision and that Pope Benedict repent of anything he might need to repent of that he die in the fullness of time in a state in the state of grace and someday achieve the beatific vision nothing less will do our lady undoer of knots pray for us and until next time have a holy uh efficacious and fruitful lent you never know it could be your last and especially the way things are going in the last year and a half that's not an unrealistic thing to say but until the next episode i am super nerd and i'm ann thanks guys god bless